0: This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. We are on location today, broadcasting from a mountain trail.
1: Hey buddy, get off the trail.
0: Last week, Outside Magazine published a trolling quick faith article that branded all trail runners as lazy parasites. <laughs> so I thought I would be a parasite and plant myself on a trail I didn't help create.
1: Hey, old man, are you lost or crazy?
0: No, I'm just a lazy parasite, podcasting on location. What? <laughs> this is great. This is episode 26 in this episode I will tell the story of the most famous walk across America in history Accomplished in 1909 by American walking legend Edward Payson Weston Sorry about that. Well, maybe I better go record in my car. In previous episodes, I shared stories about various walks across America in the 1800s. In 1909, Edward Payson Weston, the most famous American pedestrian of the 1800s, made his transcontinental walking attempt in the twilight of his walking career at the age of 70. His amazing walk captured the attention of the entire country and was the most famous transcontinental walk across America in history. Edward Payson Weston was born in Providence, Rhode Island on March 15, 1839. He was not particularly strong as a boy and took up walking to improve his health with exercise. When he was 22, on a bet, he walked from Boston to Washington to witness the inauguration of President Abraham Lincoln, covering 453 miles in about 208 hours. In 1867, He walked from Portland, Maine to Chicago about 1,200 miles in about 26 days. That walk brought him worldwide fame. Over the next few decades, he was a professional walker and took part in many indoor multi-day races. Since 1869, Weston expressed a desire to walk across America. Many had claimed that they had accomplished it. Finally, in 1909, he decided he would make his attempt starting on his 70th birthday. Here is the story of his famous 1909 transcontinental walk. In January 1909, Weston publicly announced his plans to walk across the continent from New York to San Francisco. He intended to accomplish it in 100 walking days, taking off Sundays each week. In 1909, there weren't any paved roads across the country, just some pavement in the cities. His route would be on dirt road turnpikes and on railroads. Along the way, he wanted to deliver lectures and give walking demonstrations, probably for money. Because of all the past fraudulent transcontinental walks by others, he wanted witnesses to keep him under surveillance to verify his accomplishment. It was recognized by the press
2: several alleged walks across the continent have been heralded from time to time but their accuracy has been so vague as to be valueless for records of bona fide achievements
0: for his past long point-to-point walks he had used horse carriages as crew but horses would wear out this time he made plans for an automobile to go with him He wanted his route to include bridges with no ferries so that he could walk every foot of the way. Instead of camping, he felt confident that lodging would be found in the towns every night across the country. Among his planned provisions to always have on hand would be eggs, tea, meat, and plenty of ginger ale. He also wanted to have ice with him at all times and included plans for blankets, extra shoes and changes of clothing. As the day approached, Weston planned his route to head to Los Angeles and then north to San Francisco, an estimated 3,400 miles. He planned to send daily updates of his walk to the New York Times by Telegraph. Those updates are the primary sources for this episode. Weston started his walk across America on his 70th birthday on March 15, 1909 at the General Post Office in Lower Manhattan in New York City he arrived and suddenly the swinging doors were thrown wide open and weston raced into the middle of the floor and briefly greeted friends he later revealed that his left foot had been injured 10 weeks earlier was in great pain and that he was frightened to death he didn't stay long and quickly went down the steps of the building to the street there was a large crowd around the post office that pressed closely around weston as he started
1: I was praying every step I took that no one would ever have the chance to say, I told you so.
0: Walking with a springy step and gentle, jauntly air, he started his journey. The large crowd yelled out repeated cheers and shouts of encouragement. Policemen escorted him for the first few miles on the city streets. Crowds followed him as he walked through the streets of the city at 59th Street, a band played Auld Lang Syne. Weston headed north to Troy, New York to get on the dirt road turnpike that would help him quickly get across New York State. He finished off the first day with 30 miles and spent the night in Terrytown, New York. Of that day, Weston said,
1: The reception that was extended to me along the route was the greatest I had ever witnessed. I am indeed truly grateful to those who appreciated the start of my effort.
0: Some unkind people hoped Weston would fail. One article stated,
2: On the second day, Weston limped, and the third day, he fell over a pebble and skinned his face. He had to rest a long time before he could go on, and when he went on, he walked lame. What started out to be triumph over years threatened to wind up in a pitiful display of its effects. Weston should have stayed at home.
0: Rogue conditions were a significant challenge. The old turnpike had been used in stagecoach days. It was heavy with mud and snow flurries fell, but he still walked 38 miles that day. He continued north for the next couple days to Troy. There he was greeted by 2,000 people and given one continuous ovation and welcomed to a hotel. The next day, he started to head west across upstate New York. During his first week, he walked about 275 miles despite the appearance of a bad blister on the ball of his right foot.
1: I am amazed at myself and what I've accomplished through
0: the past week. Along the way, across New York, he fought through headwinds and sticky clay on the road. He said that his feet sank nearly to the ankle, and
1: Whenever I pulled out a boot, it sounded like a cow's hoof coming out of the mud.
0: A description of his arrival to Syracuse included Soon was audible the checking of a pair of automobiles
2: moving slowly in the wake of a single, purring figure toward which all eyes were turned tramping stubbornly through the clinging mud. Soon the pedestrian had reached the pavement and with unflagging stride breasted the hill. A mighty cheer arose from the crowd.
0: Weston next walked on the towpath of the Erie Canal that contained awful frozen ruts that were a dangerous hazard threatening to twist Weston's ankles. People came out from farmhouses along the way to cheer him. For the first time, rain fell on him, and he put on an oilcloth suit and fisherman's hat. Rain eventually changed to snow on the 11th day.
1: I found the snow and the slush more than a foot deep, with wind and gale blowing directly into my teeth at the rate of 50 miles an
0: hour. Weston tried to start early the next morning, but the blizzard was so bad that the automobile carrying his crew was blown into a snowdrift. He decided to return to the house he had stayed at, to wait out the worst of the storm. When he eventually continued, he said,
1: Every house I passed, a good woman or man, came out of and offered me hot refreshments and any aid within their power to bestow.
0: The attending vehicle eventually became hopelessly stuck, and Weston went along alone for 22 miles, but received some help from some pedestrians who had come out of Buffalo to escort him to the city. When he arrived at Buffalo, he received an escort from mounted police. It was reported,
2: Every window along the way was occupied, and cheer after cheer greeted the tired figure, plodding, 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 with a steady step. Several men forced their way through the crowd to hand flowers to the old man. He would take the proffered gift with
0: a smile. On March 31st, day 17, Weston entered Pennsylvania. The roads along the way were so muddy that again his crew automobile became stuck in the mud and a hotel owner's horse carriage followed him into Union City.
1: I was met by about 50 strenuous and stalwart young men who escorted me into town. As I entered the limits, I was greeted by screeching whistles and ringing of bells from all parts of the city.
0: After a couple of days, he had still not seen his automobile. He wrote the next day,
1: Lost. One automobile, one chauffeur, and one trained nurse. Incidentally, several suits of underclothes, three pairs of boots, dozen pairs of socks, two dozen handkerchiefs, one oilskin coat, and one straw hat. Last seen in Jamestown, New York.
0: He did hear that it had a busted engine. Weston entered Ohio on April 3rd to finish off week three. This has been the most
1: trying week I'd ever experienced during this tour. This morning I encountered slippery clay roads of most aggravating character. There was a drizzling rain at the start that made it impossible to secure a footing.
0: His automobile had been repaired but had not caught up to him yet. It rained hard, and thankfully, he had an attendant who he met along the way who helped him with rain clothes. The next day, he walked in a terrible windstorm.
1: The wind had a velocity of 70 miles an hour and blew right in my teeth for 12 mortal hours. It knocked me all over the road and sometimes blew me to a standstill.
0: His automobile finally caught up to him. The dark early morning travel turned out to be a problem when he took a wrong road and his automobile got stuck behind in the sand. Some young men walked with him, but...
1: Soon we were walking in and out of the woods and ditches until finally we came to a house and heard the news that we were six miles north of the right road. A good-natured farmer got up and directed us how to reach the right
0: road. It turned out to be a ten-mile mistake that day which really bothered him. On day 30, Weston entered Indiana feeling well after a rare night of seven hours of sleep. Spring still had not arrived. He continued to walk through snowstorms and on frozen roads. Some nights he was surprised that the rooms weren't initially made available for him and some hotels would charge him very expensive prices. Other towns were very gracious and put him up for free. As he got closer to Chicago, he walked on the best roads of his journey so far. Weston crossed into Illinois on April 17th and was escorted by Chicago's chief of police. Hundreds of automobiles full of ladies and old friends came out to greet him at the city boundary. He decided to fire his chauffeur and waited an extra day for a new driver to arrive. He blamed his original driver for letting him take the wrong road in Ohio and then didn't make efforts to find him. On another day in Indiana, the driver just didn't show up. I was fired. I was fired. I was fired. So sad to tell.
1: It is absolutely necessary for me to have someone about me who can do something besides eat and sleep and give me a little attention. I propose to enforce more discipline in the future and plan to walk more in daylight, except possibly if the sun gets too hot.
0: Weston continued across Illinois. He hit a terrible four-mile muddy stretch and his automobile with his new driver became stuck in deep mud up to the hubs of the wheels. It took many men and a horse-drawn beer wagon 20 minutes to pull the car out. Still not satisfied with his crew, he fired his male nurse valet for losing some of his clothes and for being
1: too lazy to breathe without help.
0: His replacement immediately lost two new hats and allowed him to walk too far past his hotel. He grumbled that,
1: Walking is the easiest part of this task.
0: I got fired today. Yes, I got fired. I thought my job was safe. Till the day I retired. Weston was delayed by another off day because his new valet quit and the automobile gave up the ghost. To get back on schedule, in order to arrive in San Francisco by July 9th as planned, Weston sought to reduce his miles by walking on the railroad bed.
1: I would much prefer the country roads, which are in excellent shape. While the railroad roadbed is very good, it tires my feet walking on the ties and ballast. I cannot make more than three and a half miles an hour.
0: But the railroad route cut his miles by about 30%. As he traveled on, mostly using railroad beds, an automobile with a crew no longer traveled with him. But an attendant brought his things forward using the trains and made arrangements for lodging ahead of him. On April 28th, day 40, Weston crossed over the Mississippi River on a railroad bridge and entered St. Louis, Missouri, greeted by a very enthusiastic crowd and escorted to a big dinner at the athletic club. While going across Missouri, he walked through his first thunderstorm that lit up his way and then he was pelted by hail. He tried to get some temporary cover,
1: I had great difficulty in getting shelter, but finally succeeded after doing a lot of explaining to a farmer who was suspicious. I told him who I was and what my mission was, but he had never heard of me and does not read the newspapers.
0: As Weston walked on the railroad, occasionally a train would pass him. As I
1: waited for the
0: train to pass,
1: a number of ladies and gentlemen from the rear car shouted and waved handkerchiefs at me, and then threw a portion of a copy of the New York Times, which I received. On the margin was written, You are doing fine. Go ahead, signed M. Wilson.
0: Walking on the railroad had its dangers.
1: I experienced a shock that seemingly overpowered my faculties. At Glasgow, an immense iron trestle spans the Mississippi River, and a person told me that there were no trains either way for 30 minutes. So without hesitation, I started to walk over the trestle. To my horror, I discovered the trestle was nearly 150 feet above the river and nearly a mile in length. In case a train approached, I had no way to escape except to jump in the river. I got very nervous and was getting dizzy.
0: Two passenger trains passed him and two to the greeting. He was starting to be recognized by the train crews. Every time he arrived at the train station, the telegraph operators would share the news up and down the line. On May 7th, Weston entered Kansas on the Union Pacific Railroad. He finished his eighth week in a terrible rainstorm. At New Cambria, he decided to start the next day at 1 a.m. Things didn't go well in the dark.
1: The darkness was dense and a strong wind blew me backward down an embankment from the union pacific tracks i carried a lantern which the wind extinguished in vain i tried to relight it i traveled on however making only two miles an hour
0: near russell kansas weston was caught in a severe cyclone
1: i sought shelter under the union pacific railway bridge and found enough corn stalks and grass to make it quite comfortable. After waiting for the storm to blow over, a cubby of quail, a snake, and a rabbit visited me."
0: On another day, another bad storm appeared to be coming. He took shelter under an old railroad platform. Soon, a rancher with his family drove up in a wagon, urging him to walk to their home a half mile away because the storm was going to be terrible
1: the ranchman sent his family ahead with the wagon and we walked to his cozy home together just as we got to his gate the storm broke with all its fury and i was drenched before i reached the door a hundred feet distant. the storm lasted for four hours
0: on may 19th weston crossed into colorado and got caught in yet another terrible storm he was feeling lonely and observed The towns are very
1: small, and accommodations are not of the best. I have walked 15 miles without meeting a person. An occasional rabbit, maybe some prairie dogs, and coyotes being the only live ones to greet me. These parts are devoted almost entirely to cattle and sheep grazing.
0: He had a scare when he passed two hobos sitting beside the track. They started to chase after him, but Weston kept increasing his pace and eventually left them behind. Fierce storms continued to delay him on the Colorado plains as he walked on roads again.
1: The road was sticky, and I slid every
0: step. He called the storms his daily bath. At Aurora, Colorado, about 50 people started walking with him on his way into Denver. The crowd grew larger and larger. Weston would shout,
1: Keep away from my heels. If you injure a tendon there, I am a goner.
0: The police finally came to his rescue and kept the ever-increasing crowd back. He was escorted to the Denver Post building, and there he addressed a mass of about 15,000 people. On May 29th, Weston entered Wyoming and finished off his 11th week near the Colorado-Wyoming border. Terrible headwinds made walking nearly impossible. He reached Laramie, Wyoming on June 2nd in a starving condition.
1: I was unable to get any regular nourishment. The towns are so far apart that it is impossible to get anything in the line of refreshments on the way.
0: Weston continued to walk on the railroad bed.
1: I passed through a tunnel half a mile long, which gave me the horrors. Snow is everywhere from the recent storms. The massive hills full of large rocks and decomposed granite made such a wild and lonesome picture.
0: The recent storms had damaged the railroad so much that trains were delayed by 12 to 15 hours, causing his manager to fall behind, unable to make arrangements for him ahead. He also didn't eat regularly when needed because the towns were so far apart. Railroad workmen along the way tried to provide him help, but the section houses did not have much to supply his needs. His manager with his baggage still had not caught up on the train, and his shoes were badly worn out. The Union Pacific officials worked to eventually get his baggage to him that contained other shoes.
1: Another great annoyance is the hobos who traveled along the railroad stealing rides on freight trains whenever possible, and some of them didn't look good to me. I am now carrying a revolver, but for what purpose I hardly know, believing that if I were attacked, they would also take my gun.
0: Local deputies started to drive out hobos ahead of him, which helped. Weston faced going into the single-track Aspen Tunnel near Evanston, Wyoming, that had been completed in 1902, which was one and a quarter mile long. The Union Pacific kindly made arrangements to escort him through the tunnel.
1: With two workmen leading with torches, I started through the dark passage and reached the western end. We passed a great many men working in this tunnel, laying a bed of cement and concrete of four feet
0: thickness. On June 16th, Weston entered Utah. He continued down through the long, hot Echo Canyon, went to Morgan, Utah, and closed out his 13th week arriving in Ogden, Utah. At Ogden, he met with the officials of the Southern Pacific Railroad Company to discuss using their railroad to walk on towards San Francisco. They agreed to have an experienced railroad employee follow him on a velocipede, a three-wheeled, human-powered vehicle used to inspect rail lines. It was propelled with a rowing motion and foot pedals could be also used. This was a great solution to supply him food, fluids, and ice every few hours as he traveled along the barren desert ahead. Weston had decided to change his plans and not head for Los Angeles. Instead, he would go directly to San Francisco. He explained that he had underestimated the challenges that slowed him down. Weston was excited about the arrangements that had been made for the rest of the trip, and he crossed over Great Salt Lake on the greatest and longest trestle in the world, which was 12 miles in length. He walked over what was called Lucerne Cut-Off that was built in 1904 with a station in the middle of the lake called Midlake, which he stayed at for an hour. The trestle was replaced with a causeway in 1959. Of the west side of the lake, he said,
1: I am now and will be for the next two days walking on the great American desert, which is absolutely barren, and when the wind blows, I am in a sandstorm, the particles filling my nose, eyes, and mouth, almost choking me.
0: Weston crossed over into Nevada late on the night of June 22nd. In Nevada, he had one of the highest mileage weeks, and he gave credit to how well he worked with the railroad velocipede and his operator, Joseph Murray, who was the best helper he had ever had. About two to three times per day, the conductors of the freight trains dropped him off a piece of ice as they went by, helping battle the desert heat. He really struggled because of fierce mosquitoes.
1: Fancy one being on a broad, almost uninhabited prairie, not a tree to be seen, nothing but sagebrush, and a black cloud of mosquitoes.
0: The heat was oppressive. If he stopped at a house or hotel during the day, it was difficult to get rest because they were even hotter inside the buildings. There were no grand receptions when he arrived at Humboldt, Nevada at 11 p.m. He said... No
1: one in these parts attempt to do anything in this furnace-like heat, nor are there any refreshing showers to change the condition.
0: He was detesting the western Nevada desert.
1: There is nothing here that tends to encouragement or induce pleasant walking. The natives themselves do not spare the unkind words about their desert.
0: He finally admitted publicly that he would not make it to San Francisco within 100 walking days. He was discouraged that his original goals were shattered. As Weston approached Reno, Nevada, sandstorms pelted him, and he couldn't see 100 feet ahead of him. Thankfully, he wore sand glasses. When he arrived at Wadsworth, he was very pleased to see a river, trees, and grass again. He arrived at Reno on the night of July 6th.
1: Words fail me to express my appreciation and again being in a country where grass and where the hospitable people of this place, 200 strong, came out three miles and escorted me into this beautiful city.
0: Weston walked into California on July 8th. His greatest obstacle of his journey was going through about 42 miles of snowsheds protecting the railway from avalanches. He averaged just two miles per hour in them
1: to exert themselves to the utmost for nearly two days and nights, dodging the loose storms in nearly 42 miles of snow sheds over a series of mountains, interspersed by standing between shed posts every half hour to allow a train to pass, and realize that it was less than 12 inches from your breast, while the terrific puffing of two immense engines nearly deafened you is certainly enough to make one nervous.
0: Finally the roads became very good as he walked through Sacramento and beyond. He continued walking on the railway. Railroad orders were sent to Keep a careful
2: lookout for Mr. Weston on all trestles and come to a stop if necessary when finding him on a trestle to allow him to get to the end of it.
0: He had to cross over five long trestles and straddle the log within 12 inches of the track to allow a train to pass. On July 14th, his walk came to an end. Knowing that he would need to take a three-mile ferry ride to San Francisco, he walked extra miles in Oakland. He then was ferried to his finish at San Francisco and arrived at 10.50 p.m. A crowd went with him on his way to the hotel. He looked to be a bit lame but still walked in his natural stride. After a good night's sleep, he delivered a letter to the postmaster from the postmaster of New York that he carried with him. He counted his walking days at 104 days, 5 hours, and his distance, 3,898 miles. But his total time, including his Sundays and other days off, was 122 days.
1: Regarding my feeling and condition, I would say that I feel like uttering bitter words, but do not feel inclined to make excuses.
0: He received hundreds of letters and telegrams of congratulations, He at once started talking about walking back to New York and this time meeting his goal of 100 days. But he took a train and returned to New York on August 16th, 1909. It truly bothered Weston that he didn't meet his goal for his 1909 walk of 100 walking days. Just the next year, in 1910, he set off again, this time from Los Angeles, California to New York City. He successfully finished in 78 walking days and 89 total days. But Paul Lane, another legitimate transcontinental walker, quickly stole away his victory that year by doing the same crossing in just under 77 total days. By 1926, at the age of 87, Weston had lost his life savings and lived on his daughter's slim income. Friends and admirers stepped in to help. Twice in 1926, he was found walking through the streets of New York City in a daze. Once, he was lost for three days in Philadelphia. He still talked about plans on doing another transcontinental walk soon. In 1927, he was struck by a taxi cab in New York City on his way to church and was nearly killed. He spent three weeks in the hospital and never fully recovered, but was able to walk again. Good people stepped in to pay for his hospital expenses and arranged for him to live in Brooklyn, New York. A celebrated playwriter, Ann Nichols, set up an annuity to support him with $150 per month. Weston celebrated his 90th birthday on March 15, 1929. His adoptive daughter said, quote, Daddy spends most of his time in bed now although he sits up for his meals every day. She had to watch him carefully for fear he would go off wandering in his wheelchair. She said, It is hard for anyone who has been so active to have to sit still now, and sometimes he just has to be up and moving about. He had a birthday cake and said,
1: Lots of nice people came to see me. His final advice was, Don't forget to walk every chance you get and keep out of automobiles. If you do, you'll live to be 90, the same as I have.
0: Two months later, Edward Payson Weston died on May 12, 1839, at the age of 90, in Brooklyn, New York. He was buried in St. John's Cemetery in Queens, New York. That is the story of Edward Payson Weston's 1909 walk. If you enjoy the Ultra Running History Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. I read them all. With that, this is Davey Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.